Thank you for accessing this audio resource from Glad Tidings Church. This is Pastor Tim Rice. I hope you enjoy the message and receive some benefit from it. If you do, please let us know. Send your comments to info at gladtidings.church. Now, here's this week's message. So let's return now to Acts chapter 28. As I said, we're beginning the final chapter of Acts, the book of Acts. We've been here for several, several months. You might remember that we ended last uh, week uh, talking about Paul's shipwreck, where they, they were shipwrecked, and they all got on shore safely. And so we're going to pick up this morning in Acts chapter 28, beginning in verse number 1. And it says, after we were brought safely through, we then learned that the island was called Malta. And the native people showed us unusual kindness, for they kindled a fire, and they welcomed us all, because it had begun to rain and was cold. And when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and put them on the fire, a viper came out because of the heat, and it fastened on his hand. And when the native people saw uh, the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, No doubt this man is a murderer. Though he has escaped from the sea, justice has not allowed him to live. He, however, shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. They were waiting for him to swell up or suddenly to fall down dead. But when they had waited a long time, they saw no misfortune come to him. They changed their mind and they said that he was a god. Now in the neighborhood of that place were lands belonging to the chief man of the island named Publius, uh, Publius who received us and entertained us hospitably for three days. And it happened that the father of Publius lay sick with fever and dysentery. And Paul visited him and prayed, and putting his hands on him, healed him. And when this had taken place, the rest of the people on the island who had diseases also came and were cured. They also honored us greatly. And when we were about to sail, they put on board whatever we need it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word to us today. We receive it this morning, Lord, as divinely inspired and profitable to us for teaching, for reproof, for correction and training in righteousness. Therefore, Lord, we ask that you would anoint me this morning to preach effectively. Give me, God, an instructed tongue to say what you want to be said. Furthermore, Lord, we ask that you'd give us ears to hear what you are saying to us this morning. Please bind whatever would attempt to hinder your purpose here this morning. And God, we pray that you would loose your Holy Spirit. Send your Holy Spirit, God, to accomplish your good will in us. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. I want to ask you this morning, simple question. I'm sure that you know the answer. Do you know where you are this morning? Look at your neighbor and say, I'm at Glad Tidings Church. Of course I know where I'm at this morning. <laughs> That's usually not a difficult thing for us to know, to know where we are. We don't normally show up at a place without knowing how we got there or without knowing at least where we were going unless we fell asleep getting there. How many of that has ever happened to you before you fell asleep? You woke up and you said, where, where in the world am I at? <laughs> So unless we fall asleep getting there or unless we arrive there as a consequence of something that happened outside of our control, we usually know where uh, we are. Unless we're shipwrecked on a deserted island somewhere, we may not know 
where we are. Paul and his company had been, been at sea for two weeks in a, in a terrible storm. And because of that, they had become extremely disoriented. As we said last week, they probably hadn't even seen land for two weeks. They were in darkness, shut in darkness for about two weeks. And then finally a break comes in the storm. A light shines and, and they're allowed to see an unfamiliar bay with a beach. They don't recognize it. They don't know where it is, but they make the decision that we're going to head for land. We're going to make for the beach and we're going to try to get uh, to land. You might remember that the ship was caught in a reef and it began breaking apart in the surf. However, uh, because God had promised them, everyone arrived safely on shore. Just, it happened just like God had told Paul that it was going to happen. They all arrived safely on shore. The only problem was they still didn't know where they were. They didn't know how they had, had gotten uh, there. They had not recognized the land when they saw it from the ship and they had been tossed at sea for two weeks, and so they were thoroughly disoriented, and so they had no clue where they were. Recently, we went, you know, uh, we went to perform uh, Lacey's wedding in Tennessee, and I fell asleep in the hotel room, woke up in the middle of the night, and I woke up. I always try to sleep on the same side of the bed that I sleep on at home, and I woke up, and when I woke up, I saw light coming from the top of the window and down the sides of the window, and I thought, that's my bathroom door. And, but then I thought, no, that looks different somehow. There's not usually light coming from the middle of the door. And so I had to lay there for a moment and get oriented, and I realized, oh, that's right, I'm in Tennessee. I didn't, but for a moment, I didn't know where I was, and it was kind of those, one of those moments like, well, I'm, I'm not sure what's going on or where I'm at. Uh, so we sometimes get disoriented like that. That was Paul was, uh, had washed up on shore. That he had been completely disoriented for two weeks, and by the time he washed up on shore, he had no clue to where he was. And like I said, that's typically not a problem that we have nowadays. In fact, on my phone, I've got an app that tells me exactly where I'm at. Anytime I want to know, I can pull out my phone. I can tell where uh, my kids are at. I can know where Irene is, is at. So typically, we don't have that problem uh, anymore. But what my phone cannot tell me and what your GPS uh, will not be able to tell you is, is um, why am I here? <laughs> what, am I, what am I doing here? Where do I go from here and how, how do I get there? So you may have an answer to the easy question. The easy question is where are you? Um, but it's, it's more difficult to have an answer to what is an existential question. Where, where are you really? Where are you spiritually? Where, where are you mentally? Where are you in your journey in life? Um, do you know this morning where you are? Do you, can you say, not just physically, your location, but do you know where you're at spiritually this morning? Do you know where you are in your relationship with the Lord? Do you know where you're at in terms of the goals that you have for your life? How about the goals that God has for your life? Because how many knows those are not always the same goals, right? Life is unpredictable, and none of us can anticipate all of the twists and all of the turns that our life uh, will take. We cannot foresee all of the storms that that we will face in life. We don't, 
We don't know where the storms of life are going to take us. We don't know where the storms of life are going to leave us. Um, I consider myself fortunate because I, I was saved when I was five years old. I was called into the ministry at nine. nine. I graduated from high school, went on to college, graduated from college in four years, and then I married my high school sweetheart. And uh, then we went off to Durham. I went to Duke Divinity School. I pastored my first church at 26 years old. My life was uh, pretty straightforward and smooth. We had, we had three great children. And listen, I give God all the glory for that. And I thank him. I don't thank him enough. But I thank him for his mercy and for his grace. Aren't you thankful that God is looking over your life and that if you will trust in him then God's word says he will direct your steps amen so I give God thanks and I give God praise for that but you know along the way there have been some unexpected turns there have been some storms in my life that I did not anticipate not everything has gone the way that I planned it or not everything has gone uh, the way that I would have planned it, and sometimes I've, I've wondered, where am I, and what, what am I doing here? For instance, I could not have known 40 years ago, uh, when God called me into the ministry, that I would be here today. Uh, and you, you could not have known uh, that you would be here today. Your, your life might have included some more dramatic twists and turns than my own uh, you may have gone through some storms that I have not had to go through, yet here we are today, all of us, each one, here together in the same place. And um, I know that there are a lot of things that are different about each one of us, but this morning we all have one thing in common. We're here together today, and the Lord has brought us here. The Lord has put us here together today. We See, we may come to feel that where we are in life, we may come to feel that where we are in life is random or that it's accidental that we got here through a random series of events and we couldn't foresee everything that happened. So we may think that uh, we are where we are because it's random or accidental, that what has happened to bring us to this place today is just a series of of unpredictable events or consequences that we cannot fully control in our life when actually, when actually there is someone who has been steering your ship all along. There is somebody that has brought you here today. And no, it's not fate. It's not destiny. Those are um, impersonal and sometimes un unbiblical explanations that people will sometimes employ to give rhyme or reason to their life. Well, it's my fate to do this, or it's my destiny uh, to do this. But the truth is actually so much better. The truth about your life is so much better. Here's the truth. There is a personal God and he is involved in the details of your life. There is a personal God, and he is, he is steering your life. He is constantly at work to steer your life in, 
in a direction that he has chosen for you. Sometimes it goes against what we have chosen for ourselves, and so sometimes he has to course correct. And so we've, we've talked about that. But the truth is, is that there is a personal God, and he is involved in your life, in the details of your life. And he is steering your life in a, in a certain direction. He, has, he is the one that has brought you to where you are today. He's responsible for why you are here today. That is, now listen, that is not to say that you have made all the right choices. No, because we've all made mistakes. Can I get an amen? We've all made mistakes in our life. Uh, nor does that imply that everything that has happened in your life is good, because it's not. There are bad things that happen to good people every day. But here's what the Bible says. The Bible affirms that God is able to make all things work together for our good, which means that he can use every twist and every turn in our life to get us where he wants us to be, where we need to be. He can, in fact, he can use the storms that we think have blown us off course. He can use the storms, those storms, to actually get us on course and to do his will. And Paul's experience here in Acts chapter 28 is a wonderful illustration of just that very thing. He did not know where he was when he washed ashore. They didn't recognize the land. They just made for land. They got ashore, but when they got ashore, nobody knew where they were. So Paul didn't, under, he, Paul didn't know where he was when he washed ashore, but he soon learned that he was on an island that was called Malta. Now, let me, let me tell you three things that Paul learned about Malta. And there, there are three things that correspond to what I know about where you're at this morning. Three things that I know correspond to where I'm at this morning. These, three, these same three things are true about you and me wherever you are uh, this, this morning. First of all, Paul learned that Malta was not very far from Rome. Paul learned, to his surprise, he learned that he was on Malta, and Malta was actually closer to Rome than he even thought was possible for him to be. In fact, only about 425 miles away from Rome, as it turns out, which is, listen, that's still a good distance away, but it's not nearly as far away from Rome as Paul would have been if they had, if they had actually reached the destination that they had planned on. You remember they had set sail, the centurion had set sail from, uh, for safe harbor on the western side of Crete in order to winter there. They were going to reach the harbor on the western side of Crete, and then they were just going to harbor there for uh, the winter. Now, Crete, I wish I had a picture. I could have shown you a picture, a, a map this morning. If, but if you were to look at a map, you would see that Crete is just below Greece, and it's just below Turkey in the eastern Mediterranean Sea. Um, it's 800 miles away from Rome. Crete is 800 miles away from Rome. Malta, on the other hand, is just a small, tiny little island that is just south of Sicily. And Sicily is the island that 
If you remember your high school geography, Sicily is an island that looks like a ball that is being kicked by the boot of Italy. <laughs> 400 miles away. He's actually closer to Rome than he would have been if they had reached where they were supposed to go. He's 400 miles away from Rome versus 800 miles. Geographically, geographically, Malta is much closer to Rome than Crete would have been to Rome. Moreover, and here's the interesting thing, um, Malta was actually a famous port, or it was a popular port, I should put it that way, a popular port for those that were on their way to Rome. In other words, it was a stopover. It was a waypoint on the way uh, to Rome. And so isn't it ironic, isn't it ironic that in his haste to reach Rome, the Roman centurion was willing to put everyone at risk and sail against Paul's advice from the eastern side of Crete to gain some advantage by being on the western side of Crete, 800 miles away from Rome, when, and ready to resume their course to Rome when winter had passed. And then the consequence of his bad decision was that they spent two weeks being lashed by an angry storm. However, God brought them successfully through the storm and set them on a tiny island in the Mediterranean that was much closer to their final destination and would serve as a much better location for their final journey to Rome. Now listen, that's how God works in the lives of those who learn to trust in him. That's how God works. In the Old Testament, Joseph is a good example. You remember, his brothers sold him into slavery, but God used it to fulfill his purpose in Joseph's life. He was taken down into Egypt where he would become instrumental in saving the lives of many individuals, including his brothers that had sold him uh, into slavery. In fact, you might remember that when his brothers came and stood before him, they were afraid because they thought that he would kill them because he had sold, they had sold him into slavery. But this is what Joseph said to his brothers. He said, do not fear. You meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. Aren't you? Isn't God great? <laughs> what, what others mean for evil, God uses for good in our life. And so God was able to use the ferocious storm that Paul had had to endure in order to get Paul closer to the purpose that he had for Paul's life. Can you imagine Paul's amusement when he learned that he was on Malta and that they were actually closer to Rome than they would have been if the uh, centurion had had his way? I'm sure Paul probably got a great laugh out of that and probably said, God, you're a great God. <laughs> what was meant for evil, you turned for good. <laughs> what man meant for evil, God, you turned it around and you used it to get me closer to my final uh, destination. So uh, they had not been pushed further from Rome. Actually, they had been drawn closer to Rome. And we tend to think that the bad things that happen to us, here's the way that we think, we tend to think that the bad things that happen to us hinder the good things that God wants to do in our life. 
And let me tell you this morning, that's sim- if you're a child of God, that is simply not the case. Because what the devil means for evil, God is able to turn it around for good. The bad things that happen to us cannot hinder the good things that God has planned for us. In fact, if anything, they only draw us closer to him and to the fulfillment of the purpose that he has for our life. God can use the bad things in our life, the storms in our life, to actually get us closer to the good thing that he wants to do for us. Isn't he a great God? Isn't he a wonderful heavenly father? Just raise your hands right now. Let's thank him. Lord, we thank you that you love us so much that, God, you're always steering our life and what the devil means for evil or what others mean for bad. God, you're able to turn it around for our goods. We thank you for it. Listen, that's also true if you're not a child of God. It's also true if you're not serving the Lord this morning. If you've made If you have made bad choices and bad decisions in your life, you may think that everything that you have done, the things that you have done, has taken you further away from God. I hear that from people all the time. Maybe you have heard it as well. They'll say, oh, you're a preacher, you're a pastor. Well, um, you know, I'm, I'm a long way away from the Lord right now. How many have ever heard somebody tell you that before? Oh, the things that I've done, I'm, I'm a long way away from the Lord. So you may think that the things that you have done have taken you farther away from God's grace. Um, And from your perspective, I'm sure that that seems true. Because the things that you've done, it feels like it has taken you further away from God's grace. And further away from God's mercy. But the truth is, here's the truth. The truth is, you're closer to God than you can even imagine. Not because, listen... Not because of anything that you have done to get near to him, but because of everything that he has done to bring you near to him. Because he sent Jesus Christ to you. In fact, listen to what Romans chapter 10, this will blow your mind. Romans chapter 10 verses 8 through 10 says this, the word is near you. It's in your mouth and it's in your heart. That is the word of faith. That we proclaim, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. (laughs) Hallelujah. The good news is this morning that wherever you are this morning, it doesn't matter if you think you're a million miles away from God. You are closer to him than you can even imagine because the word is just, it's in your mouth. All you have to do is believe in your heart. All that you have to do is confess with your mouth and God's word says, and you shall be saved. Can we just give God thanks for that this morning? Hallelujah. That we're never far away from God. Amen. We're never, never far away from God because he draws us unto himself. The second thing that Paul learned about Malta was that Malta was a good place for doing good. He learned that it was a good place for doing Before returning to North Carolina to pastor here at Glad Tidings, uh, we pastored at Glad Tidings in Bristol. Tennessee. Um, Bristol actually spans um, the state line between Virginia 
and Tennessee. And uh, the main street of Bristol in downtown Bristol is actually State Street. It actually divides Virginia from Tennessee. Um, so one side of the street is Virginia, one side of the street is Tennessee. And there's an iconic sign on State Street that proclaims Bristol, and then it has Virginia over here, uh, Tennessee over here, and in the middle it says, A good place to live. A good place. When we got there, people used to laugh and they used to say, it's not a great place to live, but it's a good place to live. <laughs> I thought for, for me, I thought it was a great place uh, to live. Paul and his company soon learned that Malta, if you had to be shipwrecked, then Malta was a good place to be shipwrecked. I, I imagine that if you're shipwrecked, any place on solid ground would have been nice, amen, <laughs> um, but the Bible says that the people of Malta showed them unusual kindness. Did you notice that? It said the native people, the word there is actually barbarians, the barbarians there, showed them unusual kindness to them because they were shipwrecked. The Bible says they kindled a fire, they welcomed them. Later when Paul is about to resume his journey to Rome, the Bible says they honored them greatly and they put on board everything that they would need for their trip to Rome. Usually you had to outfit the ship yourself, but they gave them everything that they needed for the trip uh, to Rome. I read a little bit about Malta this week. I learned that its earliest inhabitants, or at least the earliest inhabitants that could be traced, were most likely seafaring folks from other parts of the Mediterranean that had landed there and decided to settle down there in Malta. In fact, some um, um, in fact, some commentators speculate that they have, may, have been, um, may have been people that had, were shipwrecked themselves, had wound up there because they got shipwrecked, and so they settled down there. And, and some commentators even pointed out that, that it was probably God in his timeless providence that in ancient days sent settlers to Malta so that they could be there when Paul arrived there on his way to Rome so that they could show him unusual kindness. Isn't, isn't he a great God that he is that involved in our life that he is always 10, 20, 100,000 steps in, in front of us. So they were there to show kindness to Paul on his way to Rome. And for Paul, for his part, showed kindness to them also. The Bible says that he prayed for the father of the chief man of the island. His father was sick and the man was healed. And after that demonstration of God's power, the rest of the people on the island who had diseases came to Paul, and Paul prayed for them, and they were all cured. As I said, the Bible calls them barbarians. That actually only means that they were not Greek, that they didn't speak uh, Greek, and they did not have Greek customs and a Greek uh, culture. It only means that they were not, doesn't mean they were uncivilized. It just means they weren't like Paul. Or they weren't like the Romans. Nevertheless, nevertheless, they showed great kindness and they did good to one another. Those on Malta did good to Paul. Paul, in return, did good to them. And listen, there's a lesson here for us as well. Wherever you are, wherever you are, where you are is a good place to do good to others. Find some good to do for other people. Even, listen, even if they don't look like you, 
even if they don't vote like you, even if they don't act like you, even if they don't dress like you, do good to others. Well, I'll pat myself on the back. I didn't, I didn't get a lot of amens this morning for that one. But it's true. Where you are, do good to other people. Listen, I'm, my heart is broken for our nation because our nation has become so culturally divided. Our nation has become so uh, politically polarized and has become such, so socially stratified that we find it Uh, that we find it difficult to even be civil to someone who is different than us. Can you imagine? We find it difficult to even be civil, much less do good for someone who is different than us. And listen, there's plenty of reasons for that. I'm not going to go into that this morning. There's plenty of blame to go around. But let me say this this morning. Christians, of all... if. How many Christians I got here this morning? Say amen. Amen. Christians, of all people, we should know how to do good to those who are different than us. Of all people, we should know. We should be used to the fact (laughs) that most people don't believe exactly what we believe. Don't act the way that we act don't have the same values that we have. Guess what? God's word expects us to do good to them. Amen? So we are called to be salt and we're called to be light. That means we're agents of good in the face of evil. So I want to encourage you this morning, stop, stop cursing the darkness. Stop hating on others. And listen, Start shining the light of God's grace and start loving your fellow man. Start doing good to people who are different than you. In fact, in Romans chapter 12, Paul encourages Christians, learn to outdo yourselves in honoring one another. Find ways to love on somebody who is different than you and do good to them. Wherever you are, It's a good place for you to do good to somebody else. Finally, let me conclude. Finally, Paul learned and he demonstrated to others that wherever you are, even on Malta, you cannot, you cannot escape God. There's nowhere you can go that God is not. Amen. You cannot escape God. Now, Paul was bitten by a snake on Malta. I've heard probably, I grew up Pentecostal, so I heard lots sermons on this. Shake that, that snake off into the fire. How many have ever heard a sermon about that before? That's not this sermon this morning. <laughs> when Paul was on Malta, I, and, and listen, I think that applies. I'm not, I'm not making fun of that. I'm just saying that's not this sermon this morning. <laughs> but when Paul was on Malta, he was bitten by a snake, and the inhabitants of Malta revealed something about their beliefs, because when he was bitten by a snake, the inhabitants of Malta assumed what? Aha, here's a murderer. And God is punishing him because even though he escaped the, the storm, he lived through the storm, but now he's getting what he deserves. And this snake has bitten him, and so he's going to surely die. So they assumed that he was a murderer, and although he had escaped death at sea, 
he was now receiving the punishment for his sins. Their, listen, their particular brand of religious faith was this. It taught that a person gets what he deserves, and you cannot escape justice. You cannot escape justice. In fact, the word for justice here in this passage is actually the name of one of their deities, of a, of a foreign idol, a foreign deity. And so they're saying, aha, he didn't escape God's justice and God's wrath. Their religion taught that a person gets what they deserve. You can't outrun God's justice. You can't outrun God's wrath. And then Paul blew their mind by shaking it off into the fire and living. And so they said about him, he must be a God. He must be a God. If you know anything about Paul, we've talked about Paul in Acts. That happened once before when people mistook him as a God and he said what? No, 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 no. Let me tell you who God really is. So that means that Paul quickly turned around and he shared with them the gospel of Jesus Christ. This gave Paul the perfect opportunity to present Jesus Christ to these folks on Malta. And here's Here's what Paul preached. Here's what we believe. The gospel teaches, oh no, we don't get what we deserve. In fact, we get what we don't deserve. Because what we deserve is we all deserve death. We all deserve to die. But the gospel says, oh no, we don't get what we deserve. <laughs> we get what we don't deserve. We get grace. We get forgiveness. We get God's mercy. And we get God's love. We don't get what we deserve. We get what we don't deserve. And you cannot escape God's, not God's justice. You cannot escape God's mercy and his love. But no matter where you are, God is going to track you down to show his love and his mercy and his grace to us. The reality is, is that we've all been snake bit, haven't we? We're all victims of that original sin. We all deserve death. And unfortunately, we sometimes think that God is on a mission to track us down and find us and to zap us and punish us for our sins. But listen, the truth is this, God does track us down. God does pursue us. He is a personal God that is intimately involved in every detail of your life, and he is steering your ship. He has brought you here today, and his purpose is to show his love and his grace to you. He wants you to know how much he loves you. He finds you not to punish you. He finds you in order to show mercy and grace in your life. David said, you probably remember it, David said in, what is it, Psalm 139, Lord, where can I go from your presence? <laughs> you pursue, if I go to highest heaven, you're there. If I go to the deepest hell, you're there. If I go on top of the mountain, you're there. If I go to the bottom of the sea, you're there. God constantly pursues us because, and here's why, it's because he loves us. And he wants to show his mercy and his love to us. Oh, you can... You can spurn his love in his mercy. You can reject his mercy and his grace. Sometimes get asked, and I know you've heard it asked before as well, how can God send anybody to hell? 
And the answer is this, God is not willing that anyone should perish. God doesn't want to send anyone to hell. In fact, people go to hell over the sacrifice of Jesus Christ because God has done everything to pursue us and to show us grace and to give us forgiveness. And that same God has brought each one of us here this morning. I want you to bow your head and I want you to close your eyes. Mike, would you come to the piano? And we're going to wrap up. I know I'm a few minutes over this morning. Listen, you owe it to me because I've let you out early for the last eight weeks, all right? <laughs> every head bowed, every eye closed this morning. As Mike begins to play, I believe there may be somebody that's here this morning that you would say, this morning you would say, Pastor, I feel like I'm a million miles away from God. I'm far away from God. And I want you, I hope... I hope that the thing that you heard this morning is that you are closer to God than you can even imagine. The Word is near you. It's in your mouth. All you have to do is believe in your heart and confess with your mouth and you shall be saved. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you have never believed in your heart on the Lord Jesus Christ, you have never confessed with your mouth, you've never made that decision to follow Him, then this is your opportunity today. You're here for a reason. God has brought you to this place for right now so that you can call on the name of the Lord and be saved. If you're here this morning, you say, Pastor Tim, today is the day I want to confess. On Jesus. I want to confess Jesus Christ as the Lord of my life. I want to accept His love and His grace and His mercy and His forgiveness. Would you pray with me so that I can leave here today knowing that I'm a child of God and that He loves me. He loves me. Slip up your hand and I'll pray with you this morning. And you can leave with that assurance in your heart that God sent Jesus Christ just for you so that you could be forgiven of your sins and so that you can spend eternity with Him. Anybody at all this morning, slip up your hand and I'll pray with you. And you can leave this morning knowing that you're a child of God. Hallelujah. Anybody at all, slip up your hand and I'll, I'll pray with you today. Hallelujah. Then would you stand to your feet all across this sanctuary this morning? I want you to know that where you're at this morning, God has a purpose in your life. No storm, nothing bad that happens to you can hinder the good things that God wants to do in your life. Don't believe that for a second. Because God can even use the bad things to draw you closer to the good thing that He wants to do in your life. So I want to pray with you right now. I want you to see and recognize that you cannot outrun God's mercy. He is a, he is a compassionate God. How many, how many times, don't raise your hand, but how many times, how many times have you been unfaithful to Him? How many times have you made a mistake? How many times have you gone the wrong direction? I can tell you in my life, it's been many, many times that I've turned the wrong way. I've done the wrong thing. I've not listened to him. I've not obeyed him. But you know what? He never stops loving us. He continues to pursue us. <laughs> and he tracks us down to show love and mercy in our life. Let's just thank Him for that. Father, we thank You for Your mercy and we thank You for Your grace. God, we thank You that You love us so much that even the bad things that are intended for us, You're able to turn them around 
and use them to serve your good purpose in our life. Father, I pray that if there's anybody here this morning that's doubting that, that God, you would come to them right now and affirm your grace and your love for them, God. Lord, we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Now, Father, you have called us, each and every one, to be salt and light. So, God, we recognize that where we're at, God, in this world, we may be considered foreigners. We, we may be considered peculiar, weird people. But, God, where we're at is a good opportunity to show good, to do good, and to show love and mercy to others, Father. So, God, we pray that you'll help us, Lord, not to withhold love, not to neglect good works, Father, but that we would look for opportunities, God, to do good to others around us, even if they don't look like us, even if they don't sound like us, even if, especially, perhaps, if they're different than us, God, so that we might have the opportunity, like Paul had, to share the gospel with them. So, Father, empower us by your Holy Spirit. Lead us, God, we pray, into the good works that you've prepared for us to do. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for listening today. If you have any questions or would like more information about following Jesus Christ, please contact us at gladtidings.church. If you live near Dunn, North Carolina, please consider visiting our church on Sunday mornings at 1030. You can also download our church app in the iTunes or Google Play app store and receive updates and notifications. You may use the app to make a financial gift to help support our ministry. God bless you.